This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to More Than Amuse. I'm Stani. I'm Sadie, and I am like so like happy to be here today. <laughs> like totally. Like I don't think I've ever been more excited <laughs> to do an episode than this one. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> the fact that you're able to do that without cracking up. Perfect. That's because that's how I speak, yeah. to be completely honest. So I do too, but if I think about it too hard, <laughs> I will just start laughing. True. Hello, everyone. Today we are talking about the way that women talk. And we will go into a little bit more about, I guess, what that means as we go into our episode. But I'm very excited yes. about it. And I'm already feeling very vindicated in this discussion. Same. First off, like right off of the bat, I want to say there are so many resources mm-hmm. out there about this. Like if this is something you want to look into deeper, there is no lack of information. Like you do not have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Like you will find what you are looking for. <laughs> and so many like good, thorough, informative articles with like researchers and scientists and statistics. Like so yes. much backing all of this up and it was so cool They've to read about so many scientific studies this is definitely something that you could write a college thesis about the next time someone critiques how you talk you can send them this episode along with a whole slew of academic resources and say shut up like women are actually yeah. paving the way in linguistics yeah so they are. um and i feel like personally as someone who is one very insecure about the way that I talk especially oh my goodness when we started doing this podcast I am the one who has the pleasure of editing our audio which means that I am so sorry I like <laughs> firsthand got to listen to the way I speak but also like listen to the way I try and articulate ideas which means that sometimes I will just change my mind in the middle of a sentence about what I was trying to say and a lot of the times I will just make up words or the amount of times that I say you know you know you know what I mean you know So I'm apologizing if you are a longtime listener of the podcast and you've ever noticed those weird ways I talk. But also, as we will talk about in the remainder of this episode, there are places that those come from and things that though, you know, things that that means. And so while I am trying to improve on articulating myself and being more confident in my opinions, I don't have to apologize for all of it. I can say like as much as I want. No, I definitely agree. Like if you want to really analyze the way you talk and present yourself to the world then start a podcast (laughs) holy crap especially making like reels or tiktok i hate myself the entire time i'm making them because i'll go to say stuff and i just i try to make it make sense and so i talk too slow and then if i try to speed it up then i throw in filler words while i'm trying to think of what i'm saying because i'm trying to talk faster than i'm thinking honestly sometimes when i'm (laughs) watching tiktoks i'm just like 
are people really this articulate? Like, is everyone else? I think they've got to be scripting them. They got to be or else I'm just like really stupid. And I know that's not the answer, you know, but some people can just like communicate their ideas so well. I mean, the reason why our episodes are like an hour long is because it takes me that long to get to the point sometimes. (laughs) And thank heavens we have you to edit it because there's so many times we go to say stuff and then we're like, whoa, I said that wrong. Let me go back and try like that didn't make sense also recently in the more than amused world we've had a reel that has done really well which is awesome because it's gotten us a lot of followers if you saw the reel about Brian Antoinette's portraitist and that has what has led you yes. to come listen to our podcast thank you I'm so happy you're here but there are two things that are pissing me off in the comment section the first one is the one that called Stani out for talking like she was a valley girl from the 1980s which I didn't I'm like that's just how Stani talks like you're and you don't sound stupid in my opinion in the video at all okay and what pissed me off is I went back and I was like okay that could be a valid criticism let me listen to it again Mm -hmm. I listened to it again I didn't say like once in that entire video and do you know how many times I say like (laughs) and I didn't so it's like that would maybe be valid if you had listened to an episode but the fact that I didn't say that once and then I sent it to my brother and I was like do I sound weird in this like am I talking (laughs) like a valley girl and he was like no you just sound like you (laughs) thank you (sighs) yeah so I was very confused because I thought that I did a very good job I think you did a very good very articulate and I mean like I said it's our the real of ours that has done the best another thing that is annoying me from our comment section is you said have you ever wondered why this is this way in ancient portraits now listen mm-hmm. by the exact definition of ancient that is that is incorrect because it's the 1800s yeah but like ancient let's use like our Greco-Roman. basic reasoning <laughs> skills and like i wonder what stani could have meant when she said ancient and then you later said the 1800s perhaps you kind of meant it as like a placeholder for old and people have been getting on you of like that's not what ancient means (laughs) if only we could use our context clues and like understand what you were saying Oh, it was so funny because then I also I've been second guessing myself for all of this so I googled like what does ancient mean and it was like old (laughs) huh yeah i'm just like (laughs) like people are like the comments are like you are spreading false horrible misinformation because you said ancient and not the 19th century i literally said the year later if there was any confusion if there was any confusion you specify that just two things that are Mm. just every time i like get a notification of a comment i think i got one like earlier this morning and i was just like oh i i cannot handle one more person telling us what the definition of ancient is you know what we meant and i'm so sorry we made a mistake and also like you literally comment and say like hey you're so right that is not the exact definition i meant that as a placeholder for the word old and i later go on to clarify that i meant the 18th century and oh my gosh anyways that's all just two things i had to vent about and it kind of it relates to today's episode of the way women talk it's very funny but enough of that (laughs) thank you podcast listeners for giving us a space to vent about the stupid things on our social media yes let's talk about the topic then let's dive in so if that comment was any indicator you probably know we're gonna be talking about the valley girl Mm -hmm. accent the valley girl way of talking and other things that 
women are traditionally critiqued for Mm -hmm. in the way we speak. Kind of getting personal again, not that we haven't done that already at the beginning of this episode. But I remember hearing all the time, anytime you run across like a business coach, Mm -hmm. TikTok or something, or they'll be like, here's ways women can sound more professional in the workplace. They complain against women overusing the word just or saying sorry too often, Mm -hmm. using qualifiers like or but, and then also vocal fry or ups up speak or the valley girl accent which we'll talk about so like turning statements into questions Mm -hmm. and i feel this so intensely i don't feel it in the way i interact with my coworkers in person that i see on a day-to-day but every time (laughs) one of my coworkers asked me to respond to an email with one of the licensed companies we work with Mm -hmm. a really really big big company (laughs) and i didn't want to write the email Oh my god! Because I use too many exclamation points and I write emails like I text and I don't really know how to write like a corporate email Mm -hmm. and sound like super professional because that's not a skill. That's not how I learned how to communicate. And so I made my boss do it because I was so nervous about talking to this big corporation in a way that I would have to sit there and analyze how to write an email over and over again for like 20 minutes when he could just respond. And I think that that's unfair, that women aren't immediately discredited and everything for the way that they're communicating when obviously no one's having a hard time understanding them. Yeah. They're just nitpicking tiny little things that they're saying and doing. Mm -hmm. I think there's like this weird balance of like those business coaches where it's like, sure, a lot of the times like man i'm gonna be so conscious of the amount of times i'm saying like for the rest of this episode i know same anyways a lot of the times those modifiers like just or apologizing or you know what i mean and those type of things they do come from a place maybe of an insecurity or like not wanting to assert yourself too much and I and I've done that. I definitely modify the way I speak or like don't speak as assertively because I'm worried I'm going to come across in like a bad way. So it's like on one side of the coin, yeah, women should be more powerful in their speech. But on the other side, that is just kind of how I talk, you know? And yeah, just because I'm talking that way doesn't mean I'm innately not as powerful or not as, you know, all of these things. I mean, we'll talk later I'm assuming but like it's almost like a just a different it feels so cheesy to say like it's a different kind of superpower but like you know (laughs) a lot of the times like those modifiers are almost just like a way to like understand make sure that that person is understanding you and it's an empathetic way of speaking there's there's different benefits of it it's not necessarily just immediately a weakness that shouldn't be taken as seriously or it's not an immediate sign of insecurity Agreed. Yeah, it actually kind of pisses me off because it's like, I don't know, we watched Legally Blonde for our chick flick episode. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, why can't you be like a lawyer and wear pink? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, why is being inherently feminine or talking in a specific feminine way immediately undermine your power? Mm -hmm. That you don't have to be masculine in order to be able to do your job competently. And just because you talk like a female doesn't mean that you're not capable. They actually had an expert on linguistics who talked about the fact that career coaches advising women to cut out parts of their speech 
is actually just another way of making women feel more self-conscious and incompetent because then they have to sit there and try to figure out the right way to talk Mm -hmm. instead of just talking instead of just talking and then I mean that's going to make you come across as more insecure if you're psychoanalyzing as you speak and and then that's what's going to make you stutter even more probably exactly like me writing that stupid email I know exactly what I wanted to say to them Mm -hmm. but I was so worried about the way that I was saying it that I couldn't do it I yeah I relate to that as (laughs) Well, I literally worked in customer service for, wow, five years all throughout my undergrad and had to write so many emails. And like every single time I would like send it to like three people and be like, is this okay? Yeah, it's just (laughs) fine. Like I can just send the damn emails. But it's scary. It's so annoying. Anyway, a lot of this critique comes from Valley Girls. Yes. And the early, yeah, the the 1980s. Prejudice against them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how it's been continued. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like the origin of Valley Girl. Valley Girl. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> okay, so the Valley Girl, if you don't know, is like a socioeconomic, linguistic, and youth subculture stereotype originating in the 1980s. It was associated with women who were upper middle class and usually still in like high school, early college, just like very young. Mm-hmm and was associated with unique vocal and California dialect features. A lot of people compared it to like the surfer guy. Oh yeah, like the woman equivalent. Yeah, like the beach boys sort of in a way, but Mm. for some reason that's seen as like cool. (laughs) True. (laughs) And the valley girl was very associated with ditziness, airheadedness, and then like massive amounts of consumption Mm -hmm. like shopping and overusing technology and everything like that yeah but the reason it's called a valley girl is because it applied to people and communities within the san fernando valley in california yeah so that's where valley girl speak came from how it got so popular was actually a song that i'd never heard of but apparently it was huge it was a 1982 single by frank zappa titled valley girl and he actually oh. had his 14-year-old daughter speak throughout the music. Okay, cool. It's actually really cool. I highly recommend going and listening to it. Perfect. But she used a bunch of common phrases that were popular at the time that a lot of them now have not continued, like grody to the max, gag me with a spoon. But yeah. then other things that have continued, using like as a discourse mark. And he wasn't like necessarily making fun of it he was just like capitalizing off of this weird thing he saw happening in like youth subculture at the time Mm -hmm. like everyone agrees like teenagers have their own language like even now even now there's Mm -hmm. new terms yeah that come up all the time where you're just like teenagers have i feel like i'm now hitting the age where i have to like reference my younger siblings to be like what does this mean like i don't i don't i'm not cool enough (laughs) i'm not up to date at all (laughs) agreed so that's kind of where it got really popular but then also what happened is during these early 80s, there was a bunch of sitcoms and movies, even animated series and films that were coming out based in the San Fernando Valley in California. And they were using these terms, this way of speaking, this Mm. communication method. And that's where Hollywood was. (laughs) So all of the media that was being made at the time was being sent out to the masses from this weird little subculture to everyone. 
And so it just kind of got popular faster than I think you would assume any other subculture to. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there was no clear reference that was like, oh, well, because they pushed out so much media around this time, this is why it did that. But I feel like it makes perfect sense that if, like, if Hollywood is there, if they're casting people in that demographic, mm-hmm. if they're making shows based in that area, then the way that people communicate and talk in that area is now going to become a new standard for all of the teenagers that are absorbing well I mean like that I think that as we were doing this research I was thinking a lot about TikTok and I was thinking about the way that almost like TikTok is totally influencing trends and almost how much Mm -hmm. faster trends are happening now because with TikTok everything's so immediate right like it takes you you don't have to plan for years to make a TV show you know write the script like people are just making TikToks and it's all happening in real time and trends are happening but then also like the funny little words I mean I joke that like I don't know the cool new terms as like much as my teenage siblings do but like I do it probably more than 25 year olds did 10 years ago because I'm on TikTok and I'm seeing all these things and it's interesting to see how that changes and I've seen some of these TikTok videos of like (laughs) those like point of view or those characters of like the person who's obsessed with TikTok and like they'll talk or behave in a certain way that I'm like oh my gosh yeah those kind of behaviors or those kinds of mannerisms they are from TikTok you know what I mean like they're almost there really is a way that people speak on TikTok who are creators and are making videos and so that's what I was thinking about like I don't feel like that's a weird or bold thing to say at all because of course media does that and we're seeing that happen in real time with social media and TikTok. Definitely. No, you're so right. It is kind of weird how the internet has become its own little subculture Mm -hmm. that kind of exists on a greater scale than any other subculture ever has in history. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's because when you're interacting with a group of people on a regular basis, you create your own language. Yeah. And like, memes and like inside jokes like it becomes a part of like the culture in a way that is, that is online yes and I think that that's why it's so prevalent along teenagers too because who else interacts with that amount of people in the same demographic as them on a daily basis other than kids in school yeah mm-hmm. especially before the internet totally <laughs> yeah so one of the ways that you can like really if you really want to see what a valley girl looks like go watch clueless (laughs) (laughs) yes it came out in 1995 but it is the perfect like caricature of the 1990 valley girl which isn't that far off from the 1980s probably a few other words have changed but just the way she communicates the way she talks the way that they portray her Mm -hmm. is extremely valley girl even though she technically lives in beverly hills but, yeah no I yeah. I love that reference like, I feel like that's a very perfect like, <laughs> yep exactly <laughs> yeah it's shown all the time as the perfect example and it, it makes sense another one that I think of even though it's also later is Mean Girls how you have like Gretchen mm-hmm. who keeps trying to make fetch happen and then Regina is like stop trying to make fetch happen it's not gonna happen yeah, but then yeah. they have their own way of communicating and their own vocabulary and the way that they talk to each other that's just very valley girl-esque very valley girl I (laughs) loved this New York Times article. It's actually from 2012, which I didn't realize at first. It's like over 10 years ago. But the title of it is says they're Mm -hmm. like way ahead of the linguistic curve. And they had like a bunch of (laughs) errs in it. But the point of it, I'm just going to read the opening paragraph for it. But it says from Valley Girls to the Kardashians which is another way like there is a very specific way that the Kardashians talk and I think that is another thing that is rubbing off it's similar to Valley Girl but it's different 
Anyways, but young women have long been mocked for the way they talk, whether it be up talk, pronouncing statements as if they were questions like this, creating slang words like bitchin' and redick, or the incessant word of like as a conversation filler. Vocal trends associated with young women are often seen as markers of immaturity or even stupidity, right? But but linguists, many of whom once promoted theories consistent with that attitude, now say such thinking is outdated. Girls and women in their teens and 20s deserve credit for pioneering vocal trends and popular slang, they say, adding that young women use these embellishments in much more sophisticated ways than people tend to realize. And then there's a quote later on that I absolutely love that says, as Paris is to fashion, the thinking goes, so are young women to linguistic innovation. And I loved that quote so much. And I mean, right before we actually hopped on and started recording, we talked about the fact that it like reminds me of fangirls where it seems like all the big major people, the Beatles being, I think like the most perfect primary example, they started as being for teenage girls and teenage girls being a fan of them. Like teenage girls know what's up. And I thought it was so cool to like read this article and read about the ways that it actually is becoming speech and the way that that all of us are communicating like it's not actually a woman thing I don't remember if it was this article specifically or if it's later one so sorry if I'm getting ahead of myself but they like noted a study where they were listening to phone call conversations of both men and women and like actually discovered that men were saying like more than the women were and so it's just Mm -hmm. like no we're actually all talking the same but women are they're the ones who maybe like that's getting pushed on as like the stupid way of thinking or speaking but we're all doing that and they were just doing it first so (laughs) no I completely agree this same article actually talks there's a professor of linguistics in England. His name is David Crystal and he actually talks about how up talk has changed over time where you start a sentence and then you go up at the end. Mm -hmm. But it became really common in the 1980s obviously and then even more popular in the 1990s. And then he said that in the past 20 years it's traveled up the age range and across the gender boundary where he's heard grandfathers and grandmothers using it. He knows that he uses it himself. And he said that even George W. Bush oh, yeah. uh-huh. was very known for his uptalk. And no one ever said, like, oh, that president, like, he's such so insecure, just like a young girl. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And so it was just kind of like people, people adapt to the way that people communicate in society. And if that's what people start talking like, then everyone's going to do that. Mm-hmm. And yet people are making fun of teens teenage girls for it when we're all doing it yeah Mm -hmm. I really loved this quote I think this is from there's so many good articles this one is from the new the new yorker I think what's it can we just like get over the way women talk oh it's the cut the cut thank you sorry at the top it said new york and I was like wait I'm confused so yeah that's from the cut (laughs) and this quote in specific so It's from a linguist, Robin Lakoff. She's a professor at the University of California, Berkeley. And she said, with men, we listen for what they're saying, their point, their assertion, which is what all of us want others to do when we speak. With women, we tend to listen to how they're talking, the words they use, what they emphasize, and whether they smile, which kind of just goes to show it's like, no, we're all talking the same way. We're all using like, we're all using this upscale 
up speak that was hard to say and all of those things but it's (laughs) more of like who do we actually notice it and it says like men also use the word just they engage in up speak men have vocal fry they paper their sentences with unnecessary likes and sorries but she points out that she hasn't read any articles that encourage them to change the behavior where there are countless articles and videos and in the name of feminism celebrities saying that that's how we can be successful in our fields is by changing the way that we as women speak We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. So today I'm spotlighting a Instagram account that I have found, but also a podcast that they have. It is That Fangirl Life Podcast and the their Instagram bio. It's the platform that champions female fans run by fans for fans. And they were established in 2020. I have been following them actually for a little bit. They just shared, they like just recently amped their website as well as like a newsletter that they have to you know talk about a lot of the things that we already talk about and we've done so many episodes on fangirls and i even brought it up in this episode that it's like the way that like women are the ones who you know lead the way in linguists and culture you know young teenage girls so do fangirls i think so i would 100 percent recommend giving them a follow and checking out their podcast especially if you personally identify as a fangirl they're absolutely <laughs> great and they're a super fun account to follow i know in the past they've done events and you know they do all kinds of um big fans i think they're big harry styles 1975 you know so go check them out again it's that fangirl life podcast i found a painter on tiktok i was too the handle on instagram is j-a-a-d-e-s dot co jades but with two a's and i found her tiktok of it's the same username on tiktok she recently did this drive-in like neon painting oh and it's (gasps) beautiful yeah i love that oh i love that it's very very pretty yeah but it looks like she has like a whole lot of different style going on here yeah seen some very neutral ones and then she's got like some really neon ones and i am absolutely loving this and you can buy it you can get the print yes you can be the coolest thing for your home it's so cool the process of her painting it is on tiktok and it is insane to me like um remind me is her tiktok username the same yes okay cool but it just shows her painting it and it looks so easy how do people make painting look so easy i that is my (laughs) biggest question i cannot do anything visual art related especially because i think it's like a 15 second video so she just like basically smothers paint on the canvas <laughs> and then it like becomes this perfect painting oh my gosh this is amazing this process <gasps> yeah i love it's so it cool. her one of the city at night too is really amazing uh-huh. and once again just looks like smearing a bunch of paint on canvas and then you look back and it looks like a rainy night in new york city like traffic lights and everything oh my gosh it's beautiful yeah so highly recommend love watching painting process videos love more places to buy prints from (laughs) always always can get behind more of that all right now back to the show this is probably from later on but i found an article that literally listed off all of the complaints that they've heard 
from mm-hmm. recently about women and the way they speak. Podcasters get it yeah, so often in uh-huh. reviews. That's one of the most common critiques of female podcasters. Before that, radio hosts mm-hmm. would get call-ins where people would be like, we can't stand the way that you're talking. Your vocal fry makes it impossible to listen to you. And of course, celebrities get it all the time. You think of Paris Hilton yeah. and the way that she spoke and how much criticism she got. You brought up the Kardashians. And she brought up like the fact that everyone's telling women how to speak. And she said, at first blush, all the speaking advice sounds like empowerment. Stop sugarcoating everything, ladies. Don't hedge your requests. Refuse to water down your opinions. But are women really the ones that need to change? If I'm saying something intelligent and all a listener can hear is the way I'm saying it, Whose problem is that? Yeah. Here I am thinking that I'm speaking normally and sharing my thoughts when apparently the only thing that other people are hearing is a passive-aggressive, creaky mashup of Cher Horowitz, Rami and Michelle, and the plastics. I'm as much of a fan of these fictional heroines as the next woman, but I want people to hear what I'm saying and take me seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with your reel, right? Like, obviously... That was like, like you misspoke, right? Obviously, you didn't mean ancient Mm -hmm. civilizations. That doesn't like dissuade the point that you were making. Like you can easily understand what you were trying to say. And even with them being like, oh, you sound like a valley girl. I'm sorry. I just shared a really cool, interesting fact from history (laughs) that I thought was really interesting from this podcast that I'm really passionate about. I'm sorry you couldn't get past my vocal tone to learn something new. Like it is is icky. It is. It's really annoying. And it's like, what? What's wrong with you? Where you? can't listen to the way to what people are actually saying versus the way they're saying it yeah if you compare that to any other accent can you imagine someone getting hate for like speaking with an (laughs) accent from a dialect that they grew up in they're like oh i couldn't understand you because of the way you're talking and i'm sure that happens all oh and it does but like it's it's so rude it's rude all the time yeah (laughs) yeah when you think of it in that comparison it's like okay how is this my fault like i grew up in a time of mass media and culture mm-hmm. utah's not that far from california yeah we're very west coast <laughs> very yes true and we were absorbing all of this media and especially with the invention of social media and everything else like of course i talk like that <laughs> like that's how i was re- like Please. i'm not trying to put on anything <laughs> or anything at all no that's how i speak yeah exactly <laughs> continue with that so the same linguist lakoff so She argues that the very thing that career coaches advise women to cut out of their speech, I referenced this earlier, but here's like a little bit more well-articulated version of what I was saying. Anyways, Mm -hmm. the very things that career coaches advise women to cut out of their speech are actually signs of highly evolved communication. When we use words like so, I guess, like, actually, and I mean, we are sending signals to the listener to help them figure out what's new, what's important, or what's funny. We're connecting with them. Rather than being weakeners or signs of fuzziness of mind, as it is often said, they create cohesion and coherence between what speaker and hearer together need to accomplish, understanding and sharing. This is the major job of an articulate social species. If women use them, forms more, it is because we are better at being human which i like that because i mean granted personally i have what i call fast brain which means that my brain sometimes goes way too fast and sometimes putting what is in my brain into formed sentences it is difficult for me and i have to slow down myself to like actually speak so sometimes yeah that is what it is but other times i feel like i am very conscious of the people around me and i'm like very conscious of like the way that they respond to my words and i want to make sure that people are understanding me you know and i want to make sure Mm -hmm. that the intent behind my words are coming through as clearly as possible because like intent is like such you know that's a 
such a major part of the way we communicate. And I think a lot of the times, yes, those filler words that are sometimes seen as weakeners, like, no, it's actually just like my ability to almost like check in with my listener to be like, hey, but do you know what I mean? Like, do you understand? And I'm like, you know, like trying to connect. Like I said, my fast brain, if I'm going from one idea to the next, like, let me throw in this word so you can at least try and like come along this ride with me. No, I completely get it. And yeah, I think that empathy is such a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're not just talking to be heard. We're talking for people to understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if throwing in a bunch of filler words helps us feel like we're communicating that better, then that's a sign of us just trying to be better communicators. Like, why is that such a horrible thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This also reminds me of like, this isn't in the research, but I went to like a seminar a while ago and a woman was talking about the differences between men and women and how they act in professional settings. And one thing she brought up is girls in classrooms. Yeah. That they, when they do studies and they have like girls and boys sit together in a classroom and like answer questions and learn a lesson, they'll do surveys after and they'll ask the men and the women like, or the boys and girls, I guess they're teenagers. Mm -hmm. But they're asking them who they feel like was talking more often between the two of them. And men always assume that women were talking way more. Oh. And women always assume that it was about equal. But when they actually went back and looked at how often women were speaking, it was like 10% or something crazy versus how often the men were. And I wonder if a lot of that comes from like self-consciousness of like the way we communicate and how we talk when it's not necessarily like raise your hand and make your statement. It's more of like a... A conversation piece and Mm. if they're using filler words or things that are often looked down on in society like valley girl talk yeah then if that's all that people are focusing on it's going to seem like women are talking a lot more than they are (laughs) in reality they're hardly talking in comparison dang that is so interesting and like what i think very telling on how men view women who try to take up any space at all you know that they're like oh they were speaking more i don't know if this is like really the same thing but it's like a cool tiktok that i saw well it was very disheartening tiktok that i saw but i also very (laughs) much related to it it's kind of a tangent but Anyways, there was a kind of a study between boys and girls when we were teaching them coding, computer technology. And, um, oh, I saw this. Yeah. And I, correct me yeah. for what I get wrong, but mm-hmm. basically there would be situations where it was like women are raised to be perfect. I think that's like the, the line that she used where they would come over and the professors would be like, oh, what are you doing? And they'd be like, well, I don't know what to code. Like, I don't know what to do. But then when they would go back, they realized that they actually did code a lot of things, but then just completely deleted it. So it's like they weren't willing to show their mistakes and say like, well, this is what I've tried and this didn't work. Can you like show me what I did? They only wanted to like display perfection. And if they couldn't get it perfect, they didn't want to display it. And I personally resonated with it. Did I get that right? Is that what you saw too? Yeah. Cool. Basically, they'd go over, they'd say they were having a hard time and their screen would be blank. Yeah. uh And they would do like control Z, control Z, and all of the code would be there perfectly. Yeah. But they didn't want to show it because it was, you know, them (laughs) just messing around where it's like a lot of the boys were a lot more comfortable with just like messing around and doing that kind of stuff. And I very much related to that because sometimes I think it's like if I don't think I can immediately do it perfectly, which I guess does tie into speaking where it's like if I'm not 100% sure I'm right or if I'm worried that I'm not 100% gonna get my point across I would just rather keep my mouth shut because I don't want people to like question that or I feel like that means that my intelligence will be questioned and I I know I'm smart I know I'm a very smart person 
I'm pretty confident in that. I'm not always confident in my way of convincing everyone else that I'm smart, you know, but I feel like I'm smart. Yeah. So anyway. No, you are. Thank you. Sorry. I'm like, tell me I'm pretty Sony. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, but I completely agree. I think that that kind of ties into they actually did a study talking about vocal pitch. We haven't yeah. brought up vocal fry a lot, mm-hmm. but one of the major critiques that women get mm-hmm. is that in order to project dominance and show like competence and trustworthiness, like they've done studies on this, people with lower voices are usually trusted more. And they did a study in 2013 measuring the vocal pitch of 192 male CEOs and found those that with lower voices were more likely to run larger firms. And a 1% drop in vocal pitch was associated with a 1.4% increase in the size of the firm managed. So basically, the deeper the voice you had, the more powerful you were. Yeah. And they wanted to include women in the study, but they couldn't because there weren't enough of them. Serving as CEOs. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's not enough women CEOs. But when women are speaking in male-dominated fields like business and politics, a lot of them learn to speak in low, slow tones that we associate with men. Mm-hmm. You think of like, what's her face? <laughs> the, what's her name? I don't know. Black Turtleneck, Steve Jobs, oh, fan, oh. played by Amanda Seyfried. I know exactly. Like Lizzie, the, the blood. Elizabeth. Elizabeth Holmes. There we go. Elizabeth Holmes. Mm-hmm. They made fun of the way that she like talked because she would lower her vocal register. Mm-hmm. When actually there's science that backs this up because women, our voices are on average almost twice as high as men's. And we could go into the whole thing about how like men being viewed as trustworthy because they have lower voices is a really weird thing that we've evolved through as a society. Like, yeah. why is that a thing? But it happens a ton And then the problem is, is that women try to get rid of like their shrill tones Mm -hmm. that they're being critiqued of. And so they lower their vocal register and then people call it vocal fry. Because when you talk lower Mm -hmm. than your vocal register, your voice cracks a little. Mm -hmm. You have that vocal fry. And that's like them trying to make up for it and then still getting criticized. Mm -hmm. And... Oh, I know it's later here in our research. I just like can't find it exactly. But they pointed out the fact that a lot of the times men use vocal fry just as much as women, but their voices are so low that you just like can't really make the distinction. You know, like it, it already sounds yeah. there, but it's so obviously different between women's natural speaking voices between when they're implying their vocal fry. Here I am. Well, they even talk you know? about uh-huh. the origin of vocal fry. It's from British men in parliament. Oh, yeah. Like, clear back in uh-huh. the day. Like it was men in Britain trying to sound more important and Mm -hmm. so they started using vocal fry like it originated from men (laughs) they also found that women generally are just speaking in lower pitches than they have generations ago Mm -hmm. they compared recordings of women in the 1940s to recordings of them in the 1990s Mm -hmm. and the fundamental frequency has dropped 23 hertz which is like a very wow yeah yeah so you can tell which means that women are kind of perpetuating this stereotype if there's more women in media with lower voices then it's perpetuating the stereotype that a low voice makes you more competent yeah and a higher voice makes you less so but like i mean i get it that it's like if you think oh well this is going to help me get taken more seriously that's what i'm going to do and i think i've even caught myself doing that on the podcast where i'm like i'm talking and then i'm like no 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 i gotta gather myself and talk in my real (laughs) speaking voice when like no 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 that's if i'm talking to jordan about something i'm really excited about or i'm out with my friends i'm not like 
I'm not cool and I'm not talking in my low voice. Like, no, 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 that's not me. That's not real. Well, yeah, especially because even men, when they get excited about something, their vocal register goes up. Like, True. that is a very common thing. So it's kind of stupid that like, people get mad at women for talking really high pitches when they're excited, when mm-hmm. it's like, you do it too. Your vocal register is just so much lower that it doesn't sound nearly as as high. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about the word like. So I'm going to kind of go back to, we talked about this a little bit earlier about how it's actually a sign of empathy to use filler words, but specifically with the word like, many studies have found that filler words such as like are used more by young women than any group of people, but they also show that that instead of a sign of airheadness, which is kind of what you would think that they're not able to connect their ideas, so they use the words like filler like, but using the word like often signals that the speaker is being more thoughtful and considerate in their speech, so like is actually a signal of emotional nuance, which I thought was really, really just like the like emotional nuance, you know? And I, I think that that is a lot of the yeah. times what those filler words provide of, I don't know. I think a lot of the times the reason why I'm maybe not so like, oh, 100% firm in every single thing I say is because it's like, listen, I might be wrong. Like I don't ever want to marry myself to a sentence that I maybe said offhand without actually really fullizing the weight I was bringing to a sentence, you know, like I want to be open to critique and some things that I'm saying. And so, yeah, sometimes adding those filler words, it does kind of almost like give the listener permission to be like, hey, I'm recognizing that I might be wrong. Let's have a talk about this. Like, let's discuss this. And I think that it can no, kind of provide those grounds. Like yeah, a safe space. Yeah, I completely agree. Because, yeah, it seems really egotistical to assume that everything I say is going to be 100% accurate. Yeah. (laughs) I know that there is a high likelihood that I could be completely wrong. Like the internet even, we're gathering all this, we research, but it doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, this is 100% fact. Yeah. I don't know that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like it's allowing us to understand that there could be faults, that there is a chance that like we could be wrong, like a way out of it in a way And that's not necessarily fair either, that like we're assuming that we have to speak 100% accurately. True. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, it totally makes sense that women feel like they need to do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) to communicate. Absolutely. I did love this one. He said, next time you find yourself being irritated by the way a woman speaks, ask yourself whether it's truly the voice you find annoying or the person it belongs to or the opinions they're explaining. Wow. (laughs) I think that that is a good thing to pay attention to, that if you are feeling annoyed, you should probably look inward. Look inward. Yes. So the last thing I brought it up earlier when I talked about how like Paris is to fashion, young women are to speaking. And I wanted to dive into that a little bit more through this article that says teenage girls have led language innovation for centuries. From Which is actually from the Smithsonian. I was just going to say like <laughs> the Smithsonian said so. That's a pretty, you know, cool mm. article. But It argues that female teenagers are actually language disruptors, innovators who invent new words that make their way into the vernacular. And I love this. To use a modern metaphor, young women are the uber of language. They also compared it to William Shakespeare because he's kind of been seen for a long time as like the poster boy for introducing new words into the English language. Even that, I mean, granted that has been questioned, but besides the point that like young women- And I was like, shout out to our Is Shakespeare (laughs) Woman? woman. Yeah, we we have an episode about that. So go check it out. That was a- Super fun one. Mm -hmm. But young women may have been the true linguistic revolutionaries of Shakespeare's day. 
which I love that. There is a 2003 book, Historical Sololinguistics, where they surveyed 6,000 letters from 1417 to 1681, and they found that female letter writers changed the way that they wrote faster than the male letter writers, which like spearheaded the adoption of new words and discarding words like doth and maketh. So I thought that was like a cool way that they realized that, you know, the, you know, the language was changing. What I thought was cool is that women are consistently responsible for about 90% of linguistic changes today. Why do women lead the way of language? Good question, obviously. Granted, they're not really sure, <laughs> but some of the things- I love, we're just baffling generations. <laughs> we don't know. But some, some reasons behind is that they, women generally have greater social awareness and also bigger social networks, or I love this one, or even a neurobiological leg up okay like to know where that's coming from but the, <laughs> the two that make sense to me is like i think generally from what i can see there might be more social awareness and also just like you know obviously the bigger social network at least in my marriage yeah. that stereotype is very very true where jordan would rather <laughs> just hang out and i'm the one bringing him to all these social functions so one thing that i thought was cool though they wrote about how men learn from their mothers yes and women mm -hmm. tend to learn from other women yeah and so that's why they believe that it could be reason why linguistics trail about an entire generation for men. Men are a generation behind because they're learning from the previous generation. They're learning from their mother. Mm -hmm. Their mother's learning from her peers. Yeah, because like the men don't want to like be sounding like the women that they're in that are their peers. They don't want to learn from other women, but they're obviously <laughs> going to because yeah. their mothers are speaking in a way that that's how they're picking up on so yeah that's obviously like a very traditional true family setup true, true, true. but yeah just to say that like generally women do take care of children more than men in most traditional households even today mm -hmm. and so, so could be another reason be, why yeah. that women are taking charge of that especially in like the more like stereotypical where the woman is at home She's hanging out with other women. They're all yeah. bringing their kids and around. And she's talking to their kids yes. all day long. Like that's going to be a huge marker for communication And especially now with social media, language. you know, where people can be on the phone with other women. They can be on TikTok. They can be doing their Marco Polo, like all kinds of like, there's so many ways that you can stay connected with people via social media. And yeah. And then eventually, you know, that just comes into your homes very easily. I, I love this last quote. It said, though Gretchen Wiener's was never able to make fetch happen. It's clear that women have been revolutionizing language for a long time. Not bad for a group of kids that get lots of flack for adopting new lingo. So, yes. bravo. Go teenage girls, yet again, leading the charge of culture. Do you agree? One thing I did want to bring up just last is I ran across a TikTok this week where they had a linguistic expert actually talking about language it was on the podcast pretty smart oh cool with daniel robay i haven't listened to the podcast episode but um she had on a linguist amanda montrell and she talked about like sexist language and like how it really affects society and she actually wrote a book called word slut that's called word slut a feminist guide to taking back the english language it's rated really high. It sounds super cool. Yeah, um, that's cool. She went into a lot of like vocabulary that they use, even like ways that people talk about sex and like the words that they use for that and just how it's very, very, very sexist. <laughs> so it sounds like a really cool book. And if you wanted to learn more about it, I think that that would be a great place to check it out from a linguist mm. talking about the feminist side of the English language. There we go. And another podcast to check out. So there we go. Yes, definitely. Well, 
if you are a woman here, I hope you feel empowered in your usage of like. And if we ever get it, a review, you know, what? here's a shout out to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If that's what you listen. Spotify doesn't let you. But thank you to those of us who are leaving us five stars because I get giddy every time I realize that number is going up. So thank you. But if anyone ever talks about the way I talk, because, yeah, I know I don't speak very clearly all the time, but I love what I do <laughs> talk about. So that's why I'm here every week on this podcast. But then at least we can point to them to this episode and tell them that they're being sexist <laughs> i know i'm like we should just have a default review where it's like link to this link to this <laughs> thankfully we haven't gotten those yet but if we ever do we've got mm. yeah. and if anyone ever criticizes you for the way you speak just send them our podcast episode and hopefully it can hopefully it'll do something i don't know <laughs> oh and just like i don't know it's more important that you talk and say what you want to say rather than focusing on how you're actually saying it yeah and mm-hmm. i think that's the important thing to remember like don't get caught up on the fact that you're using filler words like if your parents make fun of you for the way you speak mm-hmm. that's fine it's generational like, it's more important for you to feel like you have a voice and to communicate it and say what you're trying to say rather than focusing on how you're saying it yes I second that. I have nothing to add. That was perfectly said. Cool. Well, we will be back next week with another artist. Yeah, we're starting the month of March. So, yep, another artist that we can add to everything. Actually, because it's March, we have five Mondays. So we'll actually be doing a topic because March is Women's History Month, which is one of our favorite months on the podcast. So it is a great time to focus really even more so. Even Even more than we do every single week. (laughs) Yeah. Focus even more so on like the women that have made history and the impact that they have. Absolutely. It'll be a great month. Thanks for joining us. And and we'll be back. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Hey, podcast listener, do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.